Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family, and we're just excited about today. Uh, I want to turn with me, if you will, turn with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading here. I'm only going to read half of this, and then I'm going to let you sit down and listen to the rest. I want to give you a proper introduction here. Uh, Many years, Israel went without the Ark of God's Covenant. The Ark of God's Covenant represented the presence of God. It represented the presence of God. And when you look at the Ark and you recognize it in the life of Moses and Israel, and then it progressed and went into Joshua, and Joshua took it in. And after after the, the, the judges had passed, around that time when... Eli and his sons and Samuel were alive. It was taken from them. And from that point on, it just was in in the hands of the enemy, and God did bring it back. But then they took it for granted, and they didn't know how to handle it. Somewhere along the way, they lost how to steward his presence, and it ended up in the house of a man by the name of Abinadab. It was in the house of Abinadab for 20 years. And this is where we kind of pick up and we kind of go into here because now David has become king and David wants to take the ark and bring it to Jerusalem and place it on the very hill that the temple, when, when, when God built the temple afterwards, he would build it there and then also the place where Abraham offered Isaac and then God intervened and gave him the sacrifice and the Lord provided on Mount Moriah and this is where God intended to put the ark and build the tabernacle but here's how the story goes back to the house of Abinadab and again David gathered all the choice men of Israel 30,000 in fact David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Bel Judah to bring up the ark of God, whose name is called the name by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. This is speaking of the ark of the covenant. And so they set the ark of God on a new cart, a new cart, that's good, or is it? Brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, firwood and harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and sistrums and on cymbals, which is a good thing. They were trying. They put in a good effort. But... When they came to Nacho's threshing floor, okay, some of y'all are paying attention. (laughs) Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And I'm going to stop right there. Something wasn't right. This was a historical moment for Israel, which would eventually lead to this day, you and I, looking back to learn something that I believe God was trying to teach Nothing was by coincidence or nothing was an accident. Everything that was scribed in the Old Testament was for us to learn and live by. But Uzzah, who died, came out of the house of Abinadab. It was his son. Somewhere along the way, the mentality of the ark wasn't kept to a higher reverence that he would touch it when knowingly in the scripture it says if anyone touches the holy thing he shall die 
it was in the scriptures. But I think sometimes that we can become too accustomed to something that we lose our reverence for it and our appreciation and our respect. It was in the house of Abinadab for 20 years. And no one had ever sought the face of God and inquired of the Lord. It said in the scripture, nobody did. That was during the time of the reign of Saul, King Saul. But things, thing, but things were fixing to change and David was going to take the ark back to Jerusalem. And it's an exciting story to find out the transition and what happened. We're going to take that segment of when God killed Uzzah, what happened to the ark, and what a man by the name of Obadiah did with it. And we're going to take it with us and apply it to our life. I'm excited to share it with you. Would you just say simply with me, Lord, bless this word. Bless this word in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn to somebody and tell them the gift of church at home is what we're going to be talking about. The gift of church at home. And you can be seated. You can be seated. And one more thing before we get started, Lord, the spirit of gluttony, I just speak it out of this house right now. Forgive us for going an extra pie than we should have. And an extra plate. Two plates. Okay, Lord, three. Amen. <laughs> the rest of the story goes like this. Let me finish reading it to you as they throw the scripture back up there. And David became angry, verse 8, because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of that place Perez. Uzzah to this day and David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said how can the ark of the Lord come to me so David would not move the ark with him to the city of David but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months everyone say three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom with all his household and the Lord blessed Obadiah with all his household. Another scripture in the King James is said, and all that pertaineth to him, and all that was related and connected to him. I want you to repeat this after me and put your name in there. Are you ready? When it says Obadiah, will you say your name instead of Obadiah? Do it with me now. You ready? And the Lord blessed and all his household. For three months. And the Lord blessed. Somebody doesn't want to be a blessed person today. Oh, I get it. Too much turkey. Okay, let's do it again. Put your name in there. And the Lord blessed. And all his household. Or her household. Do you see the difference between the two? If not, let me show you. Look at this diagram very quickly. One man had it in his house for 20 years, and the scripture never gives us any type of indication of anything happening. It never said the house of Abinadab was blessed and everyone connected to him. It did say that Eleazar was over that, but it was still in the house of Abinadab. Abinadab, there are different Abinadabs within the scripture. Uh, there's Abinadab, the brother of David. There's Abinadab that watched over the house, of, watched over the Ark of the Covenant. And there, there, there's different Abinadabs throughout the Scripture. But this Abinadab, I believe, was chosen during the time when Israel didn't know what to do and they put a safeguard on this and hid the Ark for 20 years. And then the Scripture says nobody during that time, which is the time of King Saul, sought the face of God. And now we understand why Saul had so many problems. And they didn't understand the value of it. But they didn't understand what it was capable of doing. But the name of Abinadab literally means noble or willing one, the father of the willing, and he was willing to. Willing to. You have to be more than willing. 
Being willing is one thing, but the scripture says it like this, and you may want to write this down. The scripture says, when you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. Willingness requires obedient. Anybody can be willing, but not everybody is obedient. 20 years, this person was willing just to bring it in. I'll take it. I want it but did nothing with it. And then you look at Obadiah, and then when it went into the house of Obadiah, it happened by the death of Uzzah, and no one wanted it. But when you look at Obadiah, his name means servant of Edom. Edom means red, and many scholars believe that that red indicated blood. Some think that it referenced just the skin tone of blushing. Some even thought that this was Adam, the blush, the guy who made David blush out of anger for seeing God's blessings in his life, and he provoked him. I, I, don't, I don't believe that that's exactly what it means when you understand where Obed-Edom came from. When you look at the lineage of Obed-Edom, and you can trace it back. The historian Josephus traced him back all the way to the Levitical priesthood. His family was from the tribe of Levi. Therefore, his name was the servant. So if you look at this, when he, a servant of the red or the servant of Edom, the servant of the blood, the one who knew what to do with the ark, was it by coincidence that it stopped there at his house? Because when it came into his house, apparently he knew what to do with it. There's not a whole lot of indication except through historical documents of what some rabbis think and know that he did in his home. But the evidence is there. He didn't just let it sit there. He didn't just let it be stored there. He took it beyond and he knew what he had. He knew what he had because of his heritage, like anyone else's heritage, like even you and I. Your family will tell you about the stories of your grandfather, grandmother, great-grandfather, great-grandmother, and your traditions will be carried on if you are part of a family with a great heritage. In Obadiah's life, he came from the actual Levi tribe, the tribe of Levi, and he understood the principle of animal sacrifices and serving in the house of God. So when it shows up to his house, he knew what to do with it. But somehow, someway, no one else had any evidence or, or went back and did the study. No one went back and realized, well, we got to, we got to, you know, we got to worship. We have to keep it consistent. We have to begin to follow what God told the priest to do in his day, in his time. But this guy knew it was in his blood. It was in his nature. Really what I just described to you somewhat are two types of relationships you can have with God. Two types of relationships. The first one can be a religious one. Identify with Christ, but denying the power thereof. I can't tell you how many times I have heard, and there are many churches, and I have friends that are part of those churches, and I'm not trying to knock anybody, but there is a theology uh, I, I think it's a heresy. I think it's a false doctrine of people saying, we want Jesus, we love the Lord, but we don't need the Holy Spirit. It's there. I've heard it. We don't think it's necessary to have the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us. Because they have labeled it with heresy and people that have became bad stewards in the sense of not being able to allow the Spirit of God to channel itself correctly and build the individual and build those around them. And because when you walk without love and passion and wisdom, you can take what God intended for good and mess it all up like the Corinthian church. you got to have wisdom, understanding, and maturity. 
And so now in our day and age, we've been blackballed if you even are considered to be a so-called tongue talker. Our spirit filled. Are going to that church. Because everyone's afraid that something crazy is going to happen. But I got to tell you, in all the years that I've been pastoring and involved in ministry, I've seen nothing but good come out of the Holy Ghost in our lives. I've seen nothing but restoration, nothing but deliverance, nothing but good things when people pray consistently. When people pray consistently, they walk in a different dimension and they begin to see the hand of God. When you're not playing church and you realize you are the church, God begins to move. God begins to move. When you are consistent with him, you can have God's presence in your life for 20 years and nothing happens. Proof right here. But you can have God in your life for three months. And everybody's going to know that you're blessed. People in authority will find out. And when David found out, he went down to retrieve it with gladness. And there's so much to this. I think next week we're going to hit on this again because this is too much information. But when you begin to look at this, two houses, this is the tale of two homes, you recognize one stored it, but one knew what to do with it. Here's what I want to show you. There are so many speculations to why God blessed Obededom, but this is the next slide I want to show you. I believe, according to his lineage, Obededom set up a cycle of worship. A cycle of worship. The only indication we can find about this is before and after it went into his home. And based on his heritage and where he came from and the knowledge that he had, there is only one instruction that God gave to Israel during the time of the ark and the tabernacle, and that was to Moses. We've taught this here, that once the ark was in the tabernacle, that the priests were now instituted. Before God, God didn't even let Moses go into the tabernacle. He had to establish the priesthood first. And the priests were responsible for worshiping God in the form of lighting the menorah, the altar of incense. And they had to do it at twilight and at dawn, signifying the two times of the day that would naturally occur. They did not have Clocks, watches, iPhones, Apple watches. Samsung, if you're an Android person. They didn't have all those, but they knew when the sun went down and they knew when the sun came up to signify the time of the day. And God instructed the priesthood to go at those times and create the cycle. And then they would live within the courts. And that's the courts of praise. We have been given the responsibility and the gift of time. Time. Everyone has time. But not everybody has control or have been good stewards of time. Time is the currency that even rich people can't buy. I'm telling you, this is just coming out of my mouth right now. It's not even in my notes. You better, somebody needs to write this down. Time is the currency Rich people can't buy. Poor people can't buy. Serve for. But you can steward it. And you can take control of it. And you can fill your schedule for God. If you don't fill your schedule with God, somebody else is going to fill that schedule for you. But when you have something in your life that needs attention, when God has given you Something such as his spirit. He's baptized you and the Holy Ghost. I am so grateful for this house. I, I would have never imagined when we first started with four people that God would grow and continue to grow it, and we're just still in the beginning. Since last year of adopting a cycle of worship in our home. When I got this understanding for my family, I understood one thing.
the heavens began to open over our home and this church. Point number one, I want you to write this down. Creating a cycle of worship opens the heavens over your home. In this church, our assignment is not to have a great church service. Our assignment has failed if this is the mark. The mark is for us and the target is that you would go home, carry the anointing to your house and learn how to have worship in your home every day of the week. Every day of the week. And create a cycle and be responsible and treat the presence of God that you have in your life like it's precious. It's the gift of having church at home. Listen, this holiday season is not about buying gifts. It, it's fun. But I'm going to tell you the greatest gift you can give to your family and to yourself and to those that you love. The greatest gift you can have is learning how to become the church and go home and live for God and be what he's asked you to be in private and set up your home for success and let the presence of God begin to invade it by setting up an altar of worship through your consistency and letting the presence of God come in and bless your home. And watching everyone that's connected to you have a touch of their of God in their life. God did not bring you here just to bring you here. God brought you here so you can make way for the whole family. I'm telling you the truth. God doesn't just win people. God wins families by converting homes. You know you love God. You know you have a desire for God. You might as well go all in. You might as well give it everything you have. And when you do, you're going to find out in a short period of time of being consistent at home that God's going to open up the heavens. What do I mean by that? There are certain places that have open heavens around them. That means that there's... I, don't, don't start thinking Avengers now, okay? But there are literal, I believe, portals that are established because of someone's worship. What did Jesus say? Jesus told the disciples from this point on, after they saw a miracle, they said, from this point on, just like Jacob, you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Everywhere he went, heaven was over him. And this is why angels assisted him. And that's why everywhere he went, he was never without. Everywhere he went, there was never a devil that can stop him because heaven was backing him. Everywhere he ministered, miracle signs and wonders took place. Even time they were hungry and there wasn't enough food, God multiplied the food and made enough for everybody. When he didn't have the money, he had the money. He was rich in an economy that you and I have no idea unless you've seen the blessings of God. So he said to his disciples, go to the sea, catch the fish, open his mouth. There's our tax money. Somebody say open heaven. You can be in a place of consistency where your atmospheres are altered. I've seen this with my own eyes. I've seen it in this church. I've seen it in this atmosphere. What you don't know about this church is that when God first called us to start this church, we picked this location because the overhead was low. And we knew that for longevity, this would be a good place to start. It didn't look good. It wasn't the prime location to start a church. But I knew where the presence of the Lord is and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom, and people will come. And we spent hours and hours and hours not knowing what to do, but knowing what to do because we understood what we had. And we began to pray consistently in these floors here before they had carpet, before all this was just Holly, I call it Hollywood to make it look like it's expensive and good, but it's not. Those sheets up there, 
You probably don't want to hear this. Probably shouldn't say it. They all came from Walmart. Cost $2 a piece. My mama, when she was alive, she sold them, make, made them into curtains. And I said, Mama, that's good enough. We just need to cover up that area. We're going to have church in there anyways. And when we began to pray, so it had nothing to do with location. It has everything to do with who's here. And the Lord told me if I'll focus on the people, if we'll focus on a relationship with him, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll add everything to us and he'll give us the property, he'll give us a building, and he'll begin to send the people. It took us a while to figure that out because we tried to play church. We watched other people. I'm going to be honest with you today and tell you that we didn't create this over time in the sense of what God is doing now. We didn't see miracles happen all the time like we see now. We were trying to figure it out. What do we do? How do we do it? And more importantly, what do we have? And it all began with how... Here's the pressure on me now, how I led my home. As a pastor, how I would live in private. As a husband, how faithful, how committed I am. As a dad, how responsible I would be for my lifestyle. How I would show my kids what to do by my actions, not by my words, but also my words. What I would live like, what they would see me watch, what they would hear me listen to, what they would see me doing for real, for real. In my bedroom, what they heard. In my living room, how we, everything, folks. And then it wasn't until we got the real understanding that we started to pray corporately in our home. Everybody in my house gets prayed for, even the dogs. I prayed for my dog all my God. I'm going to tell you, my, God, my dog got delivered from a spirit of anxiety. It comes on me every once in a while. We've got to do it again. But he, uh, I've seen it happen. Everybody gets prayed for in my house. Everybody prays. And my kids moved out. And then I said when they moved out, and this is why I love my kids so much. After they all moved out, we got one more at the house. But after that, all my kids moved out. I said, okay, it's time to come back. Six o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Let's keep going. And they all showed up. God bless them. Hold on. They couldn't make it to six. Then he went to seven. But now we're at eight o'clock, but we're still doing good. But we're consistent. And when they're not there, we keep on going. But it first had to be understood through the scriptures of the Old Testament, we had to go back and we had to find out what did God tell Moses to do if the Ark of the Covenant was a type of Holy Spirit and we are the temple of the Holy Ghost now and God put his spirit inside of us, which represented the Ark. What did he tell them to do, how to steward it, how to pray, when to worship? And when we began to be the priest and begin to be consistent, and came together as a family, we started seeing miracles take place. Just a few years ago, we got this revelation and understanding, and we started to teach it here by semesters. And I can tell you right now, I have seen families provided for, doors open for you all that have no man could ever open or no man could ever shut. Families come together, all whole families being one, put together, marriages, Everything you can think of from the family unit all the way down to your professional career, to your businesses, to everything that you do. When you begin to create a cycle of worship in your home, everything connected to you and everyone related to you and everyone who calls you friend are going to be blessed by your life. It happens. It happens. The cycle is simply a series of events that are regularly repeated, that are repeated. That's what a cycle means. It's a series of events that happen on a regular basis, consistently. Consistently. There are times you don't feel it. There are times you're having a bad day. There are times you feel like, man, God's not listening to me. I can't feel God. I don't know where he's at. But let me tell you something. It's all a test. 
He didn't say the just shall walk by feelings, by emotions, by blessings, by attaboys, by a call from the pastor. No, 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 no. We're not an old school church. I'm going to tell you something. If you're looking for a pastor to tell you what to do, you came to the wrong church. Because I am not here to tell you whether or not you can buy a car, buy a house, or do anything else, or marry that particular person. Now, God moves on us. He gives us a word. We're going to tell you. But the truth is, you've got to hear the voice of God for yourself. And let the Lord lead you. And let the Lord guide you. But this is what he said. The just shall live by faith. They shall live by faith. And once your faith is established, then you're going to find yourself worshiping God, understanding what you have, and you're going to see the hand of God. We need this in the families. In this house, our target is the home, the home, the family. Where our target and what we're intentionally trying to do is disciple people and help them know how to raise their homes, teach them how to have the presence of God. Even today, if you have children in Children's Church at RK, Riverside Kids, you're going to have them learn the same thing you're learning today even in the special needs even this week in the youth young adults everywhere across the board everyone's on the same page so you can get on the same page at home and have everybody with the same mindset hold discussions and begin to pray accordingly these are principles being taught as like a general would lead an army into battle and if we walk in cadence one with another and begin to step with the spirit of God I promise you hell's gonna hear those steps and everything in this city is gonna shake and it has been shook already and God's gonna begin to do something you have never seen with your own eyes Listen, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard the things that have prepared for those who love him, but the Holy Ghost has revealed them to us. And for this reason, when David went to get the Ark of the Covenant, he went down and he began to get instruction, I believe, from Obadiah. And I say this because if you were David and you found out that a man got killed because he mishandled the ark. But then he went into the house of Obadiah, and he was blessed. And the scripture says King David began to rejoice, and he was happy. And he went down to get it. And it said when he went down to get it, something changed about David. Let me tell you what the things that changed about David. He put on the linen ephod like a priest. He began to walk six steps, and at the sixth step, he offered sacrifice to God. The only indication I can see that's relevant to, and I'm not just grasping, but the only principle I can see that that would be applied to would be found in the book of Genesis. That every, after six days, and the sixth where God created man, God rested from his works and his presence. And it's amazing to me how every six steps when he walked there he gave sacrifice and dance in the presence of God we're giving God the credit for him doing everything it's all in his presence and David began to dance with all of his heart but where did he get all that from he wasn't doing that before and then he sent the priest to carry the presence of God on their shoulders that's what Moses said but Moses didn't say anything else about dancing. That tells me that when David went down to the house of Obadiah, he did what you and I would have done and said, I bet you I know this because I would have done it. Look, do you know somebody that has the hand of God on them and like they're blessed in everything that they do? You know somebody like that in your life that they have favor? Like everything they do, it just touched by the hand of God. It begins to prosper. If I knew that individual or if I knew that that was Obadiah, I'm going to tell you what I would do. I'd go straight to the guy and say, hey, what did you do? Because I tried it before and it didn't work. What did you do? From that point on, David did something that has never been done 
He danced before the presence of God. He sacrificed unto God consistently. And when he got to Jerusalem, it was 24-7 like that. The types of tabernacles were all different. The one that Moses created was not the same as David. But it went back and Solomon rebuilt the temple. It looked like Moses's, but it had three tiers. It was a type of new covenant temple. Body, soul, spirit is what you look like. But the middle one just had the presence of God and worship 24-7. God allowed David to do this. I believe that was a type of Christ. It's what Jesus looked like. All God. Complete worship. But he walked in authority and he walked in power. Now, God has called us to do the same. How much more, let me ask you this question. How much more shall God bless you and I under a new covenant with you literally having the presence of God in you and you being the temple? What would happen if you created a cycle of worship in your home in the morning, in the evening? It's easy to do. It is easy to do. It's hard to start, but it's easy to continue and it's easy to do. Once you get started, the momentum is there. It becomes a lifestyle. So what would happen if we created a lifestyle and was obedient to the scriptures and do what Moses, God told Moses to do with the ark? How much more the blessings of God will come into our lives and everything around us would have to succumb to the presence of God in our home? Can I tell you that every demonic spirit that tampers with your family would have to leave? Can I tell you that the spirit of mammon that messes up your giving will have to go? That the spirit of poverty that keeps on taking your blessings would have to be rebuked and have to, be, have to leave? Can I tell you that healing and that miracles and that deliverance will take place in your home. And can I tell you that when you come to the house of God, having, after having church at home, you bring a fire to the house of God and the living stones begin to be built and God inhabits the praises of his people. And this is where God begins to heal people without anybody laying hands on anyone. And the spirit of the Lord will have his way. There is absolutely no limitations. Hmm. You want to hear some personal stories? You want to hear some true testimonies and how we've tried this? We experiment with this all the time. If we find it in the word of God, we start applying it right away, and we start seeing the results. We test it. That's what we do. You can kind of call us. You can kind of call me the research and development department of this church. R&D, that's what I do all the time. If I find it and it's there, I start to apply it, start to do it, and if I get the results, then it's God. What I am telling you is that we have tested this and it works. We have tested this and it works. God's word is true. The greatest gift you can give to your loved ones and your family is the gift of home church at home not going to church being the church that's what this is all about when we started to find this out we've been doing some of this already out of routine I'm being honest and being very transparent to help you we started doing this as a family a long time ago but our perspective was different we didn't really understand the role of the priesthood, the authority we had. I really don't think we really understood what we really had until we started studying the history of the Jewish nation and then the Gentile nation and understanding that we see church differently than what they saw the church. Or the church literally means the ecclesia of God, the called out ones. And what we see now in America is the American church. But God is trying to get us to a place where we become the church. 
We meet together on the first day of the week according to the scripture because Paul, the apostle Paul, called for it to take care of the business, to take care of the discipleship, the learning, the education, but we were supposed to be sent out to learn how to live as priests and learn how to reign as kings spiritually. So when we began to worship and I called the family together and I started living this way, around the clock, when I'm free, in the morning, in the evening, and through the day, I live in the courts of praise, and anybody can live in the courts of praise wherever you're at, by the music you listen to, by the people you engage with, by your own prayer. Did you know you can pray in tongues every, anywhere as you want to? Did you know you can pray anywhere as you want to, whether in English or in an angelic tongue, or in Spanish. I don't know what your vibe is, but I'm just telling you, you can pray anywhere. It's the only technology that, (laughs) tell your kids, it's the only technology you're allowed to have in class. It's the greatest form of technology before the phones came out, before there were satellites, before there were towers, before there was anything, there was prayer. Prayer works and when you learn the joy of it you don't systematically go into prayer like you used to learn how to do or someone taught you the biggest problem we have with people going to prayer is they're constantly telling god their problems when god already knows their problems he knows you're falling short your failings your shortcomings he knows everything about you he knew what he, he knew what he was getting when he got you Trust me, he knew what he was getting. He knew you'd, he knew you'd go astray. He knew, that you, he knew you were going to fail. He knew you'd say that when you got under pressure. He knew that you'd leave that person. He knew everything. He knew everything. But he's never, he's never forgotten us or gave up on us. Here's what I want to share with you. I've got I to share this quickly. I was corrected by God in prayer when I was working. When I was working, I, I shared this morning my life in the first service. I had a great job. God blessed me as an INE technician for a, gener- a power generation, a generation plant. I used to work there for a long time. I was making a l- good money over 15, 15 years, 13 years ago or so. I don't remember. I was making over $40 an hour, $60 an hour with overtime, had a lot of overtime. And we started the church. And finally, finally, after two, three, two, three years, we grew it to 120 or 150 or so. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, now leave and go full time. And I said, I'm making too much money now, Lord. I've entered the promised land. I mean, there's benefits. <laughs> Sick leave, vacation. I mean, I got all of these benefits here. Just got into a house. Are you sure you want me to go? I mean, I'm like, are you sure? And I'm telling you, for months, I went to conferences, and men would pull me out of crowds and say, the Lord told me to tell you it's time for you to go. I mean, it's in my face. Well, I was out there at the plant. God is my witness. Everything that was on that plant started to break down. The men I had favor with, my bosses, I never asked for a raise. But when I got a raise, I got good raises. I went from 20-something all the way up to what I told you. And I'm telling you, my raises came at $3, $2, minimum a dollar. I mean, it just happened. Every single six months, I get a raise. And people are like, what is this guy doing? I'll tell you what I did. I was just starting to serve. I was praying. And when I went to work, God went with me. I went early before everyone got there, and I'd pray in those offices. And I'd pray in my office, and I began to speak God's presence there. I took him with me everywhere I went. But when God got up and went, I'm telling you, I was there by myself. I lost favor with people that I had good relationships with, and there started coming drama, discord, 
everything started breaking. We were doing, you men understand this, we were doing an overhaul. And while I was doing the overhaul, that means that you start working on equipment that's down. And, and there was one case, one man, because we had a big engine, a jet engine, turb a turbine that we would pull out by cranes. And it fell while we were moving it. And one old guy, the guy that cussed like a pirate, Every other word, and there was always a dirty joke and always something there. This guy, all of a sudden, finds religion. And he says, gentlemen, I'm not superstitious, but I'm going to tell you, y'all need to watch yourself. There's a curse on us, and I don't know where it's coming from. Watch your backs. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Did I just become a Jonah? Finally, I said, okay, I'll go. To this day, everyone says when I left, they think I sabotaged everything because everything started working right when I, when I left. The engines, the people, everybody got along. Everything was great. And everything's, everybody's like, man, when Bobby left, everything started working right. I wasn't supposed to be there. So I understood the opposite is true. If you're right where you need to be, doing what you need to do, God's hand will be on you and bless everywhere as you go and everything you do. I understood the principle of Obed-Edom. You have to create the atmosphere in your home. And pastors have needs just like you have needs and desires just like you have desires. I'm going to end with this story to help you understand this, okay? So God had to correct me years ago, two years ago maybe. Two years ago, I understood the principle. God, I told the Lord. He told me, my son wrecked his truck. It was totaled. The Lord said, bless your son with your truck. I said, Lord, I don't have a vehicle. He said, you got your bike. all right I told my boy I'm giving you my truck son he said dad you don't have a truck I said I got a bike <laughs> some of you probably thought well pastor Bobby's loving that bike loving the exercise no I just I, God told me to ride my bike <laughs> I'm riding my bike everywhere and my I fit the part had my biking cycle shoes on had my helmet on I looked the part really well I was going to, wasn't just exercise I was going to a meeting and I was late A year went by, and I said, Lord, and he, start, he was teaching me something. I said, Lord, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to have a, a car. <laughs> and I was in prayer, and he told me what to do and how to pray. He didn't tell me to ask for it. He told me to do something else and fulfill my purpose. He said, if you do your part, I'll show you what to speak and how to pray, and I'll take care of it. So I did. I did not ask. I just said it once. He knew my desires, but he taught me what to do to open up the heavens to see him come through to meet my needs. And I started to pray and ask and follow my responsibility. I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. The kingdom of God comes first. And when you meet his needs and go to God and ask him, how can I meet your needs today rather than meet my needs, God? He'll begin to meet you. That next week, I got a phone call. Someone said, I want to bless your wife with a Lexus utility vehicle. I said, praise the Lord. I said, that's wonderful. They said, give your car. And these are people that don't come to this church, by the way. They don't know nothing, anything. Give your car that she has to Haley. My daughter, she, I didn't know that they had a broken down car, at least a broken air conditioner in the car, and they wanted a car kind of like my wife had for more room for the baby. I didn't know that her husband, my son-in-law, was borrowing a truck from his, in, from his mom and dad during that time. And in that moment, here's what happened. The next day, here's what happened. The day they gave us the car, we gave my daughter 
our car, and my, my in-laws called their son and said, son, you're not borrowing the truck anymore. We're giving it to you. It's your truck now. And so guess who got the broken down car with no air conditioning? Guess who fixed it with the can of Freon for $5? Look it up, boy. Then a year later, I said, God, I'd like to have my truck back. I'd like to do some work. I think God kept me from having a truck because he knows I like to work and I needed to pray. And then, and, then, and then I told the Lord, one time I said, God, I, I invite people to this house sometimes, and it's hot in here. It's hot in my, it was hot in my house. The air condition I have, we called it Frankenstein because we would take parts out of other AC units and just put it together. We, it was on its last leg. And God blessed us for a while, but then finally I understood the principle. And I started telling the Lord all these things. And I started saying, Lord, I'd like to have my truck back. And I said, God, and I started going to God with all my problems. And I got, here's where God corrected me. And I said, Lord, my son's getting too big. He needs a different, I need to, I, these are things that I just thought about. Just thought about. I didn't say them to God. I just thought about the, the, I can go on and on about how God rebuilt my home. And God told me, I'm going to show you. And this is what the Lord said to me. He goes, I'm going to show you how I build. And I'm going to do it with your home. And those that bless you, I'm going to bless. And I'm going to show you what I'm going to do with the next church building. He said, this is what you have to do. So in my mind, I went to him. I said, Lord, I'd like to have a truck back to work. I'd like, to, my son needs a new bed. He's just too big. He's getting bigger. And the living room, all the couch, I'm being real with you now, okay? I'm being very transparent with you. They have holes in them. They, you know, they just, they're, they're sunk in when you sit in them. Uh, you know, Lord, the air condition, that's, that's going to cost about 15000 or so. And I said, I, I need a new unit outside. The house is so hot, everything else. And we started talking about, I just, I just started just saying, thinking all these things. The Lord said, stop. I told you, if you do your part, you free me to do mine. Did I not say you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? See, the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom of God is finding the kingdom of God in your heart to be a priority to take care of God's business. And when you take care of God's business, he takes care of your business. When you take care of God's family, he takes care of your family. And then he said, seek my righteousness, which means the spirit of God enables me to walk in obedience so I can fulfill his purpose. He said, then all these things shall be what? His part. So this is what I had to do. In conjunction... To bring in the family together on a consistent basis, I had to have my routine and my consistency. But it's not just the consistency. It's the perspective and the heart that you have to have. I'm trying to teach you like I've taught my kids. And I say that humbly and respectfully. But you must understand when you go to God, you must learn how to detach yourself from every negative emotion. You must understand that when you go to God, he'll fulfill his part, but that's not why you're going to him. It's a promise already. You work for the best boss you could ever have. Your heavenly father loves you more than you know. He'll give you needs and your desires and your wants, but you have to learn how to worship and serve the purpose. So I went into prayer with all those needs and all these things, and there's just a little bit of them. This is just a small portion. And I started praying like this. Instead of praying for what I wanted, I said, Lord, forgive me. But today I pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Today I pray for your sheep. I'm going to get lost in the moment. I'm telling you right now. This is a lifestyle for me. I pray for your sheep today, dear God, that you would be the shepherd that watches over them. 
Go into their homes and go into their marriages and touch their children. God, let prayer become a priority and put a fire in their spirit. God, bless them in their dreams as they fall to sleep and watch over them. God, pour your spirit out on Riverside Church, and God, let your angels be there. And I send God forces right now in the name of Jesus over every spirit of darkness and over every principality and over everything that comes against your work. I say right now, create barricades, God, and put a hedge of protection over this body. I say right now, dear God, let the kingdom of God be established and let people be healed. God, let people be saved. Let people be filled. Give us water baptisms, God. Give us spirit baptisms put marriages back together restore lives that are broken touch every family god with the wisdom the understanding and the power of god in their lives to see the purpose of god fulfilled god begin to do your work in victoria begin to do your work dear god in this community help us to be a blessing dear god help us to see every need met and this is how it went That next week, I get a phone call. Hey, I'm sending some, somebody that doesn't come to this church. I'm sending somebody over to get measurements. We're buying you a whole new air conditioning unit. We're not only going to replace the outside unit and the inside unit. We're going to replace all the ducking, and we're going to fill all the house with insulation so you can have a better system in your home and I'm not giving you the same rink-a-dink three unit three ton unit you've got we're going to put a five ton unit in there another phone call hey I want you to go down to Ashley's furniture and I want you to go pick out the best furniture they've got for your living room and get yourself some recliners and get yourself an ottoman and there's no expense go ahead I've got you go ahead and go they don't go to this church Another phone call that same week, another phone call that they go, hey, I don't know why I'm buying my son a new bed, but he's got another bed. It's still good. It's a queen size. It looks like it's so it's big. It's comfortable. It's a Tempur-Pedic. He said, would you want your, would, would, would your son like to have it? Yeah. <laughs> the boy sleeps better than we do got a better bed than me I don't you understand what I'm trying to tell you I didn't ask for these things oh by the way somebody comes to my house and they said I think your boy wants to have a family soon I'm gonna get me a new car I'm gonna bless him with my truck the boy that I gave the truck to guess who got their truck back Not in the same condition, but still, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and on and on and on. This is a regular thing for my family and I. It can be a regular thing for your family and yours. And it's not about the things. It's about the assignment. And sometimes God doesn't give you money like we think so, and God's going to bless. That's not how it works. Your giving is an act of worship so God can reside in that place of your heart. And you tie yourself to another economy. The kingdom was displayed in the life of Jesus. He was probably considered a poor prophet because he didn't have a house to dwell in, a place to lay his head. But he traveled. But when he needed money, all he had to say was, go to the seashore, catch that fish, open its mouth, and our taxes are going to be in it. He needed a ride in town. He told somebody, there's a cult for me over there. Go get it. Needed a place to have a banquet. The Last Supper. Somebody's reserved it for us already. He walked in a different dimension. Faith. Come on, Haley. Faith. I didn't even tell you. I can tell you story after story. How God healed my son of a heart condition. He was supposed to have open heart surgery. I didn't tell you the time my, 
on a 21-day fast how my son, my youngest son, put his hand in the blender while we were on the Daniel's diet doing a smoothie. Walked away from the kitchen for a moment. My youngest boy climbed on the counter, put his finger in the blender and turned it on. Sliced his finger in half. We held it together and prayed in Jesus' name. By the time we got to the doctor, they opened it up and said, what did you bring him in here for? I said, look. I looked. It was just a scratch. Some of you know the story. Some of you don't. How God gave us property. He told us years ago that he had property for us on Salem. And we finally, God brought it to this church. And we didn't have the money to pay for it, but we started a campaign. Then Hurricane Harvey hit. And our campaign just went out the door because we tried to do it our way. But we continued to pray. So we said, instead of trying to do the campaign, let's do God's will and feed people. We fed over 10,000 people. Cars were parked all the way down Navarro. We were handing out meals. We partnered with the food bank of the Golden Crescent, and they became our friends, and we were so thankful for them, and we were able to bless and serve and give and give and give. And by the time that was over, we let people come in here. We let them live in the church. We let people stay here that didn't have electricity, and we did what God told us to do. But when that was over, we get a phone call. Somebody says, someone heard about what you're doing. They want to know what you're needs are that next month or so they paid off the church property for us I'm still married to my high school sweetheart I've got all my kids living for God am I rich no but I got friends and I got family and everyone connected to me, I'm going to make sure that I'm a blessing. This is for real. God brought me out of religion to help establish a kingdom and understand how this really works. And I'm telling you, it works. I wasn't raised in church. I haven't drank alcohol and smoked marijuana. Over 30 years. But I'm addicted to the Spirit of God. I want you to stand to your feet. The gift of church at home is for you. No one can stop you. No one can hinder you. Take what you have and just apply it and begin to live your best life at home. We're going to go through some practical things to help you understand how to let the Spirit of God come into your life. We're going to continue this in this series. We're going to be practical. We're going to help you understand so you can apply it and see the hand of God. I got so many miracle stories. I got so many things that God has done for us. I don't even have time. But I'm going to tell you that God's hand will work everything out the moment you know who he is, what you have, and learn how to create an atmosphere of worship in your home. I pray this right now as you lift up your hands and lift up your hearts to God. And I pray that a spirit of revelation and understanding would come to you right now in the name of Jesus, that there be an anointing that would come upon you. And I say blindness go. Blind eyes open right now in the name of Jesus. Blind eyes, hardened hearts, soften and open right now. All hardness of heart. All things in your life that have hindered you and stopped you in the name of Jesus right now I say be gone be gone and leave relieve right now leave right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Lord let a spirit of worship come upon our homes let every devil that has brought division in homes every lack of faith every false god every false idol leave every home every spirit of witchcraft 
all divination, all cantations that are not from the Lord and from darkness. Remove them from our homes now in the name of Jesus right now in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord God the Most High, we honor you. 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 <laughs> what would happen if you gave God three solid months of consistency? What would happen? What would happen if you gave God three months of solid consistency? Test them out. Test them out. Come on, Obadidim. Come on, is there any Obadidims in the house? Lord, help us know what we've got. Help us know what we got. Help us understand what we have. Teach us, teach us, show us what Israel had in their midst. God's given to you. The next generation are people who step out by faith into the waters. The first generation that God brought through Moses, they saw the rod spread out and pointed to the sea by faith. But the Joshua generation stepped into the Jordan first, and then the waters began to separate. God is calling new covenant people the Joshua generation of people to step out by faith for first before they see it. To step out by, by faith first before they see it. Would you ask God to give you that kind of faith? Father, in the name of Jesus, here's what I want to leave you with. The secret to Obadiah's home being blessed is he knew what he had. He knew what we, he had. There's a holy presence of God here. 20 more seconds, we're out. Just begin to worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.